Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Today, I'm going to be discussing what certain teams need to do in the AFC to make it back to the playoffs or just strengthen their team in general. Today, I'm going to be highlighting the AFC East. In each subsequent podcast, I'm going to cover a different division in the NFL. And then I'm also going to recap some of the 2021 NFL season, some of the players. Today, it's going to be my top 10 quarterbacks of the 2021 season and what will probably be, remain intact going into the 2022-2023 season. Then I'll get into the All-Star Game and how good Team LeBron was, highlighted by LeBron and Steph Curry in last night's All-Star Game. Spectacular performance was put on. Then I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NBA right now post All-Star Game, looking ahead to the final stretch of the season, you know, the final 20-so games that we have left. And then I'm going to wrap up with my thoughts on Jawan Howard yesterday, what happened between him and Greg Gard, head coach for Wisconsin. So let's get started. But first, I want to congratulate Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphin head coach for getting a new job and being hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Pittsburgh. You made a great move in hiring uh, Brian Flores as, you know, not a defensive coordinator role, but kind of a defensive analysis, linebackers coach sort of position. This is only going to strengthen the Pittsburgh Steelers team, who has a good defense already, but to bring in a defensive guru like Brian Flores uh, and what he brings to the table, this will only enhance and make the Pittsburgh Steelers a better team. So congratulations to them. Now, I know that Brian Flores, to me, shouldn't have been fired by the Dolphins at all. Uh, He was good enough to be the head coach there. I thought he earned that uh, through his past few years there. So I don't think he should have been fired. It's everybody saying, you know, he should be a head coach. He's deserving to be a head coach. Definitely agree with that as well. Uh, He's definitely better, you know, than some of the coaches in the NFL right now. So that happens, but... I also got a factor in that there is now no more job openings left in the market. And, you know, with him kind of suing the NFL, it kind of gives off a bad look. So at least, you know, he can still coach right now. Will He kind of handles a massive lawsuit, and we'll see how that goes. But just on the football field alone, this is a big hire for the Pittsburgh Steelers, big win for them. And I think this only helps Brian Flores as he works through his lawsuit. Uh, This will make, you know, him a better coach. And then when the time is right, I could definitely see him getting another head coaching gig, uh, depending on this lawsuit and how this works out. But big, big win there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'm going to get into the AFC East and what some of those teams need to do to kind of have a better offseason and get themselves focused on their goal for next year. And I'm going to start with the back-to-back division winner, the Buffalo Bills, who went 11-6 and this year. Some consider, you know, uh, not a great year, not a successful year, uh, because they were good enough to, you know, make it to – the Super Bowl, a lot of people had them pegged there uh, and make some more noise. But to me, Buffalo met expectations. I did not have them going to the AFC Championship game again like they did last year. Uh, one of the teams I did pick, I'll talk about them in a few podcasts, but Buffalo was not one of the teams I had. I thought they'd lose in a divisional round. So they met expectations there. But this Buffalo team led by a good quarterback in Josh Allen, decent head coach in Sean McDermott. They had the number one defense, but they had some slip-ups throughout the season, kind of those head-scratching, shocking losses that were like, 
you know, should you really have lost to this team? You look at the season opener, Josh Allen didn't play that good. They lose to the Steelers, and you look in hindsight, like they shouldn't have lost to the Steelers, especially with that game. Ben Roethlisberger threw for under 200 yards. You know, the the Buffalo special teams had some issues. Defense, lackadaisical. So you look at that loss, and you're like, that's a game they should have won right then and there. And then, you know, they go on to just handle the Chiefs in Arrowhead, you know, 38-20 to 20, uh, at that point. And then, you know, they lose to the Titans just getting absolutely dashed by Derrick Henry. They have a head-scratching loss to the Jags where they don't even score an offensive touchdown. They lose 9-6. to six. Josh Allen has the worst game of his career. And then again, they get dashed by Jonathan Taylor. 41 uh, points that the Colts put on them. The Colts and Carson Wentz didn't even throw 100 uh, or didn't even throw, you know, that many yards. He threw a total of 106 yards in that win against the Bills. They lose them, the Patriots in the snow, the Buccaneers. So it was a very, very up and down season by Buffalo, highlighted by some great wins but also by some very low, low losses that just should not happen. Now, what does Buffalo need to do to make it past the divisional round, back, back to the AFC championship game where they were two years ago? How do, or actually not the last year, 2020, uh, how do, or 2021, how do they make it back there and get to the Super Bowl? What do they need to do? Well, to me, The goal is to strengthen their defense, and in particular, the defensive line. It needs to get stronger. What do they need? Well, I bet Buffalo wishes they had the number one draft pick to where they could get Aiden Hutchinson because that is the type of player that they need in the draft or in free agency. They need a defensive end that can not only rush the passer, get after Patrick Mahomes, and not let him have 13 seconds to tie the game, but also to stop the run, not get gashed by Derrick Henry, by Jonathan Taylor, you know, by Damian Harris when the Patriots played him. That is what they need, better run support. Because this number one defense is not the best number one defense that we have ever seen. And the offenses in the AFC are only getting better, more dynamic. The Bengals are now here. You have the Chiefs as well. Uh, So this team needs to strengthen that defense. They need to be able to get after Joe Burrow, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts. But they also need to be able to stop some of these strong running games because to me those strong running games are in the AFC, and that's what the Bills have to do, strengthen their defensive line. They spent a lot of draft capital on the defensive line this past draft. And for some of the games that worked out, they were rotational players. But you need to get stronger there and kind of fit in some pieces, either through free agency or the draft, you know, to get better and to make it past the hump. You know, win the AFC Championship game, not lose this game. Not lose two years in a row to the Chiefs, where especially this year, Josh Allen was just tremendous in that loss. And the defense could not hold them. So that's what the Bills need. Defense, in particular, defensive line. Next up, the New England Patriots. They made the playoffs. There you go. One one, uh, season removed from missing them. They draft Mac Jones. They sign, you know, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Matt Judon. And look at the Patriots. They are back in the playoffs. We're close to winning division but they were back led by the number two defense in the league. What does New England need to do to get back there or perhaps make some greater noise in this next coming season? What do they need to focus on in their offseason? They need to get a wide receiver is what they need. They need a top-tier wide receiver for Mac Jones to have comfort in. I like Hunter Henry in the red zone. I like John U. Smith. But their wide receiver talent, it doesn't inspire 
a lot of inspiration in me. Uh, Jacoby Myers, decent player, but not a lot of faith. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Nikhil Harry, you know, is to me kind of done. That was a waste of a first-round pick there. But this team needs a wide receiver for Mac Jones, you know, to develop further with and get this team further with. You know, he had his number one wide receiver in Alabama, Devontae Smith. They put on an absolute show week in and week out. And you see the NFL now, teams that have their number one playmaker, uh, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, Devontae Adams. You have Tom Brady and Gronk. You have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So you have those dynamic targets, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. That's what Matt Jones needs to continue developing, get better. To me, he would have the best rookie quarterback season this past year, but he needs to expound on that. He needs to get a little better. He needs to have more faith in his wide receivers. And to me, this was part of a reason Tom Brady left, is they didn't want to spend the money on weapons uh, to help Tom Brady out. That's what the Patriots need to do. They need to suck up their pride and say, hey, we need – you know, a top-tier guy to throw the ball to, whether that be a tight end or wide receiver. Rather have a wide receiver right now, but that's what the Patriots need. You know, you could make a case for their defense, how it's aging, but still very healthy. That's a tough unit, you know, with Matt Judon, uh, with Godcho. Uh, they got Barmore, you know, J.C. Jackson, so the McCourty twins. So defense, even though it's aging, I have more faith in them to pull together for another year. What I need is more explosion, more explosive plays, and that starts with the skill positions, in particular with them, the wide receivers. So that is the Patriots, to me, biggest need is to get that wide receiver for Mac Jones, continue development and chemistry. And then maybe you'll win this division, have more of a competition with the Buffalo Bills. Miami Dolphins. What do they need? You know, so close the past two years, missed the playoffs by one game. What do they need to get to the playoffs? They need a quarterback or consistent quarterback play. Tua Tagovailoa, I don't think is the answer. I don't think he can put together, you know, a full – 17-game season, and you really only need, you know, 12 or 13 good games, uh, you know, winnable games right there. But I don't know if Tua can provide that for you. What he's shown this year, what he's shown the year before, is he'll give you half a good season. And that's what he does. He plays, you know, this year it was the first half was not that good. You know, some injuries played them second half of the year. Waked up last year, you know, he had the Ryan Fitzpatrick, so he'd have a good game, not have a good game here and there. But Tua either needs to get more consistent or the Dolphins need to find a new quarterback. They're in the AFC. They got Josh Allen, Mac Jones, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson. They got the tough quarterbacks. And I'm not taking Tua over any one of those top tier quarterbacks in the AFC. So either he needs to get going. Or they need a quarterback to unlock this team. Because Miles Gaskin, fine running back. But wideouts, you've got them. you got Jalen Waddell, who set the rookie receiving record for receptions in a season. Had 104. You know, Tua obviously had good chemistry there. But you need better chemistry. You know, Gusecki, good tight end. Devontae Parker uh, for this team. Will Fuller, you know, hampered by injury. All year long, you couldn't get him going. So the key is the quarterback play. Get consistent or get a new one because you cannot win with Tua at his current level in the NFL. It's virtually, and it is realistically, impossible for that to happen. Then finally, the New York Jets. Now I'm going to preface this. I don't think there's anything the New York Jets can do this offseason to make it to the playoffs this coming year. I really 
do not think there's anything that they can do. Uh, don't think it's possible for the Jets to make it to the playoffs next year. I really don't. But if I have to look at just an area of improvement for them, it would kind of be defense as a whole. I mean, you really focus this draft on offense. You drafted your guy, Zach Wilson, who you hope to be your guy. Uh, you drafted uh, Carter as well. Uh, you signed, you drafted Elijah Moore, rookie wide receiver. Signed Corey Davis. He was hampered by injury. But defense, defensively, you have to get better uh, all across the board uh, so that you can close out games. They had a few games that were close, and they just could not pull it out. They were up early in their home opener to the Carolina Panthers. You know, the defense uh, could not do anything. Uh, What else could they not do? With the Falcons, you know, they were kind of neck and neck with them. You know, the defense had some blunders there. Then you face the Buccaneers later in the season. And you're up the whole game, and Antonio Brown has a snafu, and you still lose that game because of a defensive meltdown. So to me, defense as a large part, I think the offense will continue to grow. But uh, Coach Sala, defensive mind, has to go out and sign some of his guys whether it be key guys from the 49ers and Arden Key or someone like him that, you know, can rush the passer, but this defense needs a makeover and needs a makeover uh, drastically because they were one of the worst defenses in the league. They allowed the most yards this year in the NFL. Uh, They allowed the most yards per game in the NFL. and Finally, they allowed the most points in the NFL at just under 30 at 29.6. This was the worst defense by far in the New York Jets. Worse than teams like the Houston Texans. Worse than teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Detroit Lions. New York Jets were the worst team across the board in defense. In almost every category, they were number 32. That's how bad this defense is. A lot needs to get fixed on this defense, on this team, for it to get better and improve. I do not see all those things culminating in this one offseason. But you need to take steps. It takes time. This year, they need to focus on defense. As last year, it was focused on offense. That's what the Jets need to do. So, I've covered the AFC East. What do they need to do this offseason, those teams? Bills, defensive line, Patriots, wide receiver, Miami, quarterback, New York Jets, defense. Now, I'm going to get to my quarterback rankings of 2021, and specifically, my top 10. Now, quarterback rankings to me are the hardest to rank because they have the most impact on the team because they always have the ball in their hand usually on an offensive play. And there's just so many great quarterbacks out there compared to running backs. With running backs, you kind of have, you know, three, five great running backs where you just want to rank those five. Same with, you know, tight ends or even wide receivers at times. Uh, So when I do my future list, I might do top five. But for quarterbacks, to me, it's got to be top ten because they're such an immense talent. Of quarterbacks, and it was so hard to rank this past year. So, starting off, number 10 to me is Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. Why? Well, Derek Carr this year almost hit the 5,000 yard mark, threw for 4,804 yards, had a passer rating of 94, quarterback rating of 52, which isn't that high or that good, that's kind of average right there. But he threw for 23 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. Again, it's a little high, but he was able to throw up all these yards. And to me, the offense is still heavily relying on him. And what did he have to do it with? Well, first off, you know, 
Henry Ruggs had an incident, you know, around halfway through the year. And your top deep threat right there can no longer play uh, anymore. Darren Waller injured, misses six games. So your main target is Hunter Renfro, a West Welker slot type guy. And he puts up a thousand receiving yards because you're throwing it to Hunter Renfro, Foster Moreau. You know, Josh Jacobs misses a few games. Kenyon Drake, you get Deshaun Jackson later in the mix. But he's kind of making it up as he goes. And what does he do? He throws up high numbers. And he leads his team to the playoffs the first time Derek Carr has ever made the playoffs in his career. For that, I've got to give Derek Carr the 10th spot for, you know, leading his team to the playoffs, doing it under you know, crazy conditions of not only, you know, the first round uh, your former pick Henry Ruggs got and cut, but also the uncertainty of your head coach, John Gruden, and all those distractions that he had to deal with turned the noise off, and he went to the playoffs with an interim coach. So that right there, that puts Derek Carr at number 10 in my list. Number nine, Russell Wilson. Now this year, a bit of an anomaly for Russell Wilson in his career when all he's done is just win all throughout his career. Uh, you know, him and Pete Carroll, one of the most winning quarterback uh, coach duos in NFL history, kind of right there behind Tom Brady and uh, Bill Belichick, you know, how he started his season, Russell Wilson, or started his career all the wins that he has is kind of right there uh, below Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, things like that. So Russell Wilson's been good. This year wasn't his best year, which is why he's dipped to number nine. Used to be a top five quarterback. Now he has to get relegated. He's at nine uh, this year, you know, through six interceptions in the, you know, 14 games or so that he played to 25 touchdowns, which is actually a pretty good clip. When you put that all in perspective, that's around 50 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, you know, which is very respectable. But Russell Wilson threw for over 3,000 yards, which, hey, I'll put you in that category because kind of the 3,000-yard mark there, if you eclipse that, I'll put you in there with the Kyler Murray, who also played the 14 games. You know, Mac Jones, who played the 17 as well. Uh, some other ones, Carson Wentz and Trevor Lawrence. So Russell Wilson still has a great arm, uh, can throw the ball uh, deep. But the goal is to let Russ cook this year. Wasn't a lot of cooking at all. To me, it looked like, you know, the stove kitchen was set on fire. The grill blew up outside, whatever you want to say. Uh, the cook was a disaster this year, uh, but also... The head chef for recipes that they used, designed by uh, Pete Carroll, were not a mesh. Again, I want to see Russell Wilson out of there. I think he can ascend uh, greater than he's been the last few years in Seattle. But Russell Wilson, to me, still has the talent uh, right now to kind of deliver if he was in a better situation. You know, Russell Wilson ain't dropping out of the top 10 because of an injury or uh, because of Pete Carroll. Number eight, Dak Prescott. It happens to be number eight. Why? Well, he was seventh in passing yards this year, threw for over 4,000, touchdowns 37 to 10 interceptions. Passer rating, you know, right there above uh, the Derek Cars of the world and them. So he's got a passer rating above 100, a quarterback rating of 54, which is still high. Dak Prescott missed a game due to injury in his calf and that or his ankle. And a lot of us, you know, thought, you know, how good is Dak Prescott going to be this year coming off that injury? And he was spectacular to open up the season, you know, in the loss to Tampa Bay was great. But then over the course of the next few games or so, they were just great with Dak Prescott. They were six and one or seven and one. And then, the end of the season, 
sort of came to a crashing halt, you know, kind of them and the Cardinals just were not good in the second half of the season. Uh, Cowboys losing to the Raiders in the Thanksgiving game. Losing uh, to the Cardinals. Lost to the 49ers in the playoffs. And Dak Prescott did not play particularly well in any of those losses. For So for coming up short in the big moments, Dak Prescott can't be any higher than number eight. You know, he has the mega contract. He's got the talent. He put up a lot of stats. But, you know, when you need a Dak Prescott to win a couple games for you, he could not do it. That's why he's at number eight. Who's above him at number seven? Matthew Stafford, sitting there at number seven. Has been a top 10 quarterback for a while, you know, but that wasn't made evident until this year when he was in L.A. And everybody wanted to, you know, interview Matthew Stafford every single week. Now he's in everyone's top 10 and he is sitting at mine at number seven because he put up a ton of stats this year. He was third in yards at 4,800 completion percentage at 67 percent. Threw for the second most touchdowns at 41. Uh, QBR of 63, you know, which is respectable. Pass rating of 102. Put up, you know, good numbers. Won a Super Bowl uh, as well uh, this year in his first year with the Rams. But to me, Matthew Stafford makes a lot of mistakes. Highlighted by a league-leading 17 interceptions with four pick sixes. Uh, He makes a lot of questionable decisions at times that will lose your team the game. Uh, Look at the Titans game and kind of their three-game stretch there with the Titans, the 49ers, the Packers, uh, where he plays bad football. And it is bad, and the team looks bad around him when he is making bad decisions like that. Uh, So there's been too many of those, and there's been games this year where – Teams have not taken advantage of the Matthew Stafford turnovers or they've dropped interceptions where Matthew Stafford could be much higher than 17 interceptions. You know, through uh, one in the championship game against the Niners, could have been two, through for two in the Super Bowl. So Matthew Stafford legit has all the stats, you can say. He's got the yards. He's got the touchdowns. He's also got the interceptions. He's got every stat there is. He's got 30 sacks as well. So Matthew Stafford sometimes uh, tries to make one too many plays, and he has to learn to just throw the ball away. It's all right to not gain a yard if it means not giving the other team the ball back, uh, which is why he's at seven. It's because of his uh, not as high as top five because not as high. I'm not as high on him for his decision making in some of his uh, throws that he makes. Number six, Justin Herbert. Now this is where it got tough is the four or is the six and five debate that I had. And I put Justin Herbert at six because two years in, haven't made the playoffs, even though you've just been spectacular your first two years. And I think this year, Brandon Staley uh, did screw the Chargers and Justin Herbert out of the playoffs. But Justin Herbert was phenomenal. Last year, won Offensive Rookie of the Year with the Chargers. And this year, he was one of two quarterbacks to throw for over 5,000 yards. Second in that, completion percentage of 66. A touchdowns, 38. Interceptions, 15. Passer rating of 97. QBR of 65. Again, those two numbers right there higher than Matthew Stafford. So, again, he's tremendous. And, you know, he's got weapons around him to throw the ball to, not, you know, top elite wide receivers. But he's got some talent. He's got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and he's a type of quarterback that makes plays, throws the ball into tight windows that only his receivers can make plays on the ball. And he is a tremendous leader. Uh, This team rallies around Justin Herbert, and I think it's tremendous. He's a great quarterback. 
I think he can make it to the playoffs this year if Brandon Steely uh, does not get in his way again. But Justin Herbert, to me, is top tier, turning into one of the better quarterbacks in the game already. It's fun to watch uh, Justin Herbert go out there and uh, operate at the quarterback position at such a high level at such a young age. Now getting in to the top five. Number five is Josh Allen. Yes, Josh Allen makes the top five kind of a roller coaster season that he had, but last year, second in MVP voting this year was just another solid year from him, throwing for over 4,000 yards, uh, throwing for 36 touchdowns uh, to 15 interceptions, a quarterback rating at 60, pass rating at 92. But what stands out to me the most from Josh Allen is the lasting impression your last game makes on you. What was the last game we all saw Josh Allen in? It was the quarterback duel with Patrick Mahomes where he had a quarterback rating of 90. 90. 10 away from 100, that's as great as a game as you could have. Passer rating of 136. Four touchdowns, 329 yards. Was able to run the ball as well. To me, Josh Allen is the most dynamic quarterback in the NFL in terms of ability to run and pass. He'll hit you both ways. And I like the way he runs as well is because, you know, he is a physical guy. This guy is 6'5", 240, and, you know, he'll just plow right through you. This year he has 763 rushing yards to go along with his 4,000. So you want to add those up, that's over 5,000 total yards from just him alone, just Josh Allen. And that is how good uh, he is. And when you look at the totality, he was almost first in rushing. Devin Singletary had 870 yards, their primary running back. Josh Allen, just 100 yards behind at 763. So Josh Allen is a true dual threat quarterback. He'll hit you with both your legs and his arm ability. And you look at his arm, he has one of the best deep throws in the NFL uh, as well. He's got the connection there with Stefan Stephon, uh, Diggs, uh, which is uh, tremendous. So Josh Allen, top quarterback in the NFL. Number four. Aaron Rodgers. Now, what are, you might be thinking, what is he thinking? The league MVP back-to-back sitting at number four in quarterback rankings of 2021? This does not make sense. Well, as I've said throughout the year on my podcast, that MVP was not deserved. And when you look at his stats, you know, it's still not impressive that Kirk Cousins had a better statistical season than Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, to me, has tremendous talent. You know, missed a game, but threw for over 4,000 yards. Completion percentage is high at 69%. His quarterback rating highest at 111. Quarterback rating at 69. Again, the highest right there. Touchdown-interception ratio. The lowest, 37 touchdowns to four interceptions. Can't really beat that. But again, Aaron Rodgers, when in his biggest moments, he comes up short. The playoff game against the Niners came up short, didn't throw a touchdown this game. The offseason drama that he puts the Packers through, now going on our second year with them. There are things that he does that... Don't define him as a quarterback. You think of quarterbacks and you think of the leader of the team. You think of the Joe Montana, the Tom Brady, the Steve Young, the Troy Aikman, Terry Bradshaw, those type of guys. Aaron Rodgers ain't in that category, is a leader as well. I'll give you the stats 
but I will not give you any postseason success and any leadership. I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers is sitting there at four. Yes, there are three quarterbacks in 2021. I'd rather have an Aaron Rodgers. Number three is the man himself, Joe Burrow, a.k.a. Joe Burr, a.k.a. Joe Shiesty, a.k.a. Joe Cool, Joey B. Yes, that guy had the, you know, overall, if you want to include regular season and postseason, the highest pro football focus grade at around 92 combining regular season and postseason. He was tremendous coming off injury, missed the game this year, and threw for 4,600 yards, 34 touchdowns to 14 interceptions, a passer rating at 108. Second highest in the league, quarterback rating of 54. Joe Burrow was special in his first first season, uh, starting from start to finish, unlike last year where it was cut short. He came off with a sort of confidence, swagger, poise, leadership of the group, the instant connection with Jamar Chase from their LSU days. Joe Burrow led the Cincinnati Bengals, who have sucked for so long, Yes, they've made it to the playoffs before, but they haven't won a playoff game in 30 years. And Joe Burrow, you know, breaks that streak right away, and he leads his team to the Super Bowl. Leads his team to the Super Bowl in his second year. Joe Burrow, just tremendous. Yes, he is the third quarterback on my list. Number two of 2021, Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is still deadly. 4,800 yards by him. 37 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. And most of those interceptions, I believe 11 of them, came in the first half of the year when this team was 3-4. and four, Turning the football over well in the second half, just dominated. Put the NFL back down storm, reminded him that, hey, I'm still that guy. And again, out-dueled Josh Allen. Josh Allen, fantastic game. But outdueled him with Tyreek Hill, with Travis Kelsey, right there. And he was just tremendous this whole season from start to finish. Again, the leadership, he's won a Super Bowl already, has won a league MVP, one of the top quarterbacks, his sort of arm angles that he's able to throw the football from, a second to none. Uh, he is that guy made for the big moments, Patrick Mahomes is number two. But who was number one? It is Tom Brady, a.k.a. the GOAT, was the best quarterback, best player to me of this 21-2022 season, sitting at 44 years old. He was the best. He was number one across the board in yards at 5,316. That's the third most in NFL history. 43 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, a quarterback rating of 68, which puts him a tick behind Aaron Rodgers, a pass rating of 102, which is right there at the best, and a completion percentage of around 68, which again puts him right there just a tick behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so you have that right there, Tom Brady was just tremendous. Uh, again, he had the highest pro football focus grade, just regular season alone this year at a quarterback again at 44 years old. He was tremendous, the leadership. And again, he had guys injured and he did this, you know, through the turbulent times. Antonio Brown was injured, suspended, quit on the team. Tom Brady still put up big numbers. Gronk injured, cracked ribs, punctured lung. Still good and made playoffs. Uh, Mike Evans hampered a bit. Chris Godwin tore his ACL. Scotty Miller out most of the year. What does he do? Uh, he's tremendously great. Leads quarterbacks in all these categories. You know, then in the playoffs, annihilates the Eagles and leads his team 27-3 to comeback. You know, the deficit comes back, ties the game at 27-27. We ultimately lose. But Tom Brady was the best quarterback of the 2021 season. And one more point I want to mention on Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow had the highest completion percentage 
this NFL season at 70%. No other quarterback had the 70 marker. So those are my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL from this past year. Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady. Those will probably all carry over to next year, except for Tom Brady if he remains in retirement. Now time to talk about the NBA All-Star Game. I predicted Team LeBron to win. And was I right or was I right? Yes, Team LeBron is now 5-0 and in this format that they instituted years ago. Team LeBron just cannot lose, or should I say LeBron cannot lose. He is that good. He knows how to pick his team. And his team put on a show last night. I'm going to give LeBron a B grade just because of his three-point percentage. I thought he was great, you know, but 3.2 for 11 in an all-star game, not that good. You know, you had Jochich, uh, Steph Curry, Garland, Fred Van Fleet, Luka Doncic, better than you in those regards. But still, he hit the game winner there at the end, a step back, fade away was just tremendous by LeBron James. Steph Curry was the All-Star Game MVP. He gets an A-plus across the board. He put up a 50-piece highlighted by 16 three-pointers made. If this was a regular game, that would have been the most ever. But Steph Curry just balled out and was one shot away from breaking Anthony Davis's record of 52 points. I mean, Steph Curry... It was just magical to put on. He could not miss second or third quarter. He was that good all game long. Uh, in a game that, you know, the first three quarters are all offense. Then, you know, the fourth quarter plays some defense. And that fourth quarter, it was just brilliant to watch, you know, the teams play their heart out on offense and defense. You know, Giannis, Jared Allen on the defensive end. You know, Steph and LeBron on the offensive end. But then on the other side, Joel Embiid for Team Durant was just, you know, great. You know, Devin Booker coming off the bench, adding 20 points uh, there. Uh, Trey Young made a couple of shots. Uh, LaMelo Ball as well as Zach Levine, big shots. But that fourth quarter was brilliant to me. I wish I could get, you know, more games played like that of the top players in the NBA playing like that, because that was just magnificent uh, to watch uh, last night. And Team LeBron won, put on a great performance. But what else came out of this All-Star game? Well, we had the worst dunk contest ever. Literally one of the most boring things I've ever watched, where people are not executing their dunks. It's not good. And there was more flashy dunks in the All-Star game. From John Morant, from Giannis, LeBron, even Rudy Gobert. So, you know, the dunk contest has got to go in a new direction. The finisher needs to be the three-point contest. Who? Congratulations to Carl Anthony Towns, big man, winning that. Uh, you know, but that is much more fun to watch than the dunk contest. Team LeBron. When this game, again, halftime show as well, highlighted by the NBA, all 75 team, you know, getting on the court, honoring them with their jackets and the best of the best, the top 75 players. Michael Jordan in the house was not expecting that. Him, Magic Johnson, you know, Shaq, Chuck, uh, Ray Allen, KG, you know, all of that. It was just special uh, to watch. You know, and one of the best players in NBA history, LeBron, had to hit the walk-off shot for his team. So congratulations to Team LeBron. But that wasn't the only thing to come out of the All-Star game was that great win by LeBron. LeBron, you know, dropping some news bombs, some speculative bombs out there, you know, saying that, hey, uh... 
you know, don't rule out my return to Cleveland, you know, saying throughout it, you know, the All-Star game that, you know, I'm Cleveland's third All-Star. They got Darius Garland. They got Jared Allen. But I'm their third All-Star here uh, saying that, you know, you never know what the future holds. He could return to Cleveland. You just never know. Now, that would be tremendous is, you know, Cleveland has a good team, good young team. Darius Garland, Jared Allen, highlighted the Ulster game. Evan Mobley also joined him in the skills competition. They have a good team. What are they missing? They're missing veteran leadership to get them off. And every team needs it uh, that gets there. You know, you have the Suns. You know, they needed the veteran leadership. They were a young group. Chris Paul comes in, leads them to the finals. You know, the Raptors had. Kawhi Leonard, LeBron's been on a myriad of teams the past, not a myriad, but he's been on a few teams that led them to NBA Finals the past 10 years. You know, you had the Steph Curry with the Warriors, who's kind of been leading that team. So everybody needs that. If LeBron were to go there, that were to be special uh, to go back. Definitely received well, especially after this All-Star game. But And I do believe that team, the way it's built right now, you add LeBron to that team, that's a team that's coming out of the East with LeBron playing at such a high level in year 19. Even if it's just on the offensive end, you know, he's leading the league uh, or he's third in the league in points uh, per game. He's at 29.1. You know, he's just been tremendous on the offensive end, uh, turning it up when he needs to. Uh, he is that good. So that was a big comment by him that, hey, you know, he's most likely not going to finish his career with the Lakers. But what added to that? Well, saying that his last year will be played with his son, Bronny. That that's what's going to end. You know, the money won't be an issue at that point in his career. That he's just going to play ball with Bronny. That's big uh, because I know Bronny's still a few years removed from the draft. But, hey. If LeBron is still going to give you this amount of offensive output in year 19, year 20, if he's still putting up these offensive numbers, does a team take Bronny just to get LeBron James? Do they say, hey, maybe Bronny's not the best fit for us, but we kind of get a two-for-one here. Not only will we get LeBron James Jr., but we'll get LeBron James himself on our team. So we're kind of getting a two-for-one. So does that, you know, play a different strategy when drafting is, hey, you know, maybe we're near the cusp. We get Bronny. We get LeBron. So you have that there. You know, it's definitely interesting that LeBron, I think, will not finish his career with the Lakers when we thought that, hey, this is going to be his last destination. I still think he has one more left in there. What else is going on in the NBA? Goran Dragic decided to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. And this is huge because Goran Dragic, you know, has an outstanding postseason history. He's a leader. You know, he's 35 years old, but he was on that Miami Heat team, leading them in points in that NBA Finals run before he was injured. You know, he is a great player to have. And the Nets get him. Point guard, and this is great because with Kyrie, a part-time player, now you get Goran Dragic. This makes it much better for now. Kyrie, part-time player, you replace him with Goran Dragic. Who knows when Ben Simmons will play. Big signing for them. What else? CP3 is out six to eight weeks with a thumb fracture, and this is huge, huge news for the Suns and for Chris Paul. Chris Paul, the assist leader in the NBA right now. They've dealt with a lot of adversity, but not like this. You know, last year, Chris Paul a little dinged up, you know, in the first round against the Lakers, but recovered and played great throughout there. So he's been a little dinged up here and there, but missing six to eight weeks is huge for this team. That puts him at the two-month mark, uh, right around, you know, the first playoff series. So best case scenario is he returns for the first round. Worst case is he misses 
the first round. And I think they can sort of with handle, you know, be first round, but it's where's the chemistry out there? How far is the drop off? I think they got a big enough lead in the West to sort of sustain this loss of six and a half games. But this is a big one for the Phoenix Suns where the ball, the team, it goes through Chris Paul. So big loss, you know, right here. How will this affect the Suns moving forward? Well, we will find out Thursday night when they play the Thunder. Again, that's nothing that's going to scare me, but then they play the Pelicans, and then the schedule does get tougher after that. We're going to have to play some decent teams that are in playoff contention, you know, like the Jazz, the Lakers, the Bucks again, the Nuggets, 76 or so. It's definitely going to be very interesting to see how all this shapes up. So now I got to give you my top five teams in the NBA post All-Star game. Number five is the Chicago Bulls. Why? They're tied for first place. They're currently on a five-game winning streak, seven of their past ten games, and they got two great All-Stars carrying the load for the team. Zach Levine, and an even bigger one, DeMar DeRozan, who is in the MVP conversation right now. To me, top three. He's just been that good for the Chicago Bulls, and they're able to handle Lonzo Ball being out, Alex Caruso being out, Zach Levine being out here and there, because they got DeMar DeRozan, who's scoring 28 points per game, which puts him at fourth in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan is carrying the load. He's putting up his three-point shooting percentage is much better this year compared to his previous years. The Chicago Bulls are a tough team to beat, and I think they'll be a tough out in the Eastern Conference. Number four, the Miami Heat. They are also one of the better teams in the uh, East, led by Jimmy Butler. But they also got defensive greatness in Bam Adebayo. They got the leader as well, not only in Jimmy Butler, but Kyle Lowry. They got a sharpshooter in Duncan Robinson, and they got a potential six-man of the year in Tyler Hero. So they got every position sort of stacked out for them. And, again, great coach Eric Spolstra, who's put a team together before with the big three of LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and uh, Chris Bosh. So this is a team that is very similar to what I believe is that Raptors team that won it in 2019, led by Kawhi, that had Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. This team, led by Jimmy Butler, who's a very similar two-way wing to Kawhi, has Kyle Lowry, like he did, and Bam Adebayo, similar style, but better defensively than Pascal Siakam. So, you know, you look at Duncan Robinson with Fred Van Fleet. This is the biggest parallel right there. And I think Miami can make it to the finals. They have the team good enough. I definitely believe, you know, they have a chance to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. To me, the three teams I'm giving the legit chance is Miami, uh, Philadelphia, in Milwaukee, the two teams behind them are uh, Chicago and Brooklyn. But this East is tough, but Miami so far is the best team in the East. Number three, the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, Memphis is still around, hanging close to Golden State for the 2C, trying to get home uh, court for the first two rounds of the playoffs. And they're playing great. Uh, basketball as well. They've won eight out of their past 10. Ja Morant has been spectacular. Desmond Bain has fit in well with this team. Jaron Jackson, uh, wait till they get Dylan Brooks back fully healthy. But this Memphis Grizzlies team is a tough team. They're young, athletic. They will be a tough out for anyone. They also got Steven Adams, great rim protector and rebounder down there in the paint. So Ja Morant, is another MVP, you know, contested in the conversation in the top five because uh, he's just been that good for this team, doing it offensively, uh, putting up points when needed. You know, his three-point game to me is getting better, but also defensively the chase down blocks uh, as well, being able to steal a ball. Uh, John Morant is the real deal. 
Two, the Golden State Warriors. Defense has taken a little bit of a hit, but they remain one of the better defensive teams in the league with one of the better point differentials in the league. Why are they still at two when they slipped a little bit? Well, they still got Steph Curry. As Steph reminded us last night, he can put up 50 on any given night. Play Thompson back in the fold. And they're still missing Draymond Green, who probably would have won defensive player of the year until he got injured. Said last night he'll probably be out four more weeks. I think that puts him, you know, probably won't see him until uh, the playoffs as well. Uh, And that'll be a big piece when he gets back there. Opened up the pick and roll, him and Steph. You got Clay open on the wing uh, right there. It opens up so much more for this team. So if they continue to hang on, Steph heats up a little more. Clay gets back to being Clay, uh, which I think he's close to doing. Uh, this Golden State Warriors team can still cause some damage for any team in the NBA. But number one is the Phoenix Suns sitting there with the best record in the NBA at 48-10, and 10, uh, best point differential at 8.1. They're on a seven-game winning streak currently. They've won nine out of their past 10. They've been tremendous. Monty Williams, great coach. Uh, they have the depth, you know, all around with uh, Mikhail Bridges, with the Cameron Payne. But now the question is, how do they weather the absence of Chris Paul that right now is looking to be the one of the biggest storylines right now in the NBA. You know, you have but James Harden, Ben Simmons, fits in their respective teams. But to me, the big storyline is, hey, how do the Suns handle the absence of Chris Paul? That's going to be a big one, but we haven't seen that yet. So they're still the number one team in the NBA. So top five, Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat, Memphis Grizzlies, the Golden State Warriors, and the Phoenix Suns. Now wrapping up, MLB delayed their spring training is delaying things. Doesn't look like that will start on time. However, I remain optimistic that there will be some semblance of an MLB season this year. And then, in other news, college basketball, Jawan Howard, you know, hit an assistant coach in the loss to a game against Wisconsin yesterday, tempers flared, scene was crazy, you know, Michigan down by 15 or something with like 10 seconds left, Greg Gard, coach for the Wisconsin Badgers, calls a timeout, uh, and, you know, when you call a timeout with, you know, you're up by 15 with 10 seconds left, it's kind of like an insult, it's disrespect, no coach likes that. Uh, at all. So Jawan, a little heated. Then he's going over to the handshake line, you know, late. And he's kind of giving Greg Gard like a dead fish handshake, just putting his hand and is walking away. And Greg Gard speaks to him, grabs his hand, puts his hand on his uh, chest there. And that's when tempers got escalated. You have uh, Ben Jawan pulling his mask down, putting a finger in the face. Then the assistant coach comes over and says something to him. Uh, Jawan, you know, kind of slaps him across the face. And you kind of had players from Michigan, you know, actually punching Wisconsin players. Things got heated. What could have de-escalated the situation is Greg Gard. Shouldn't have said anything to Jawan Howard. Uh, Shouldn't have grabbed him at all to begin with. uh, Because then we wouldn't have been having this conversation if Greg Gard didn't instigate this situation. And he instigated it multiple times. He instigated it by calling the timeout and then in the handshake line, grabbing Jawan Howard and putting his hand on him first, even though it wasn't a slap or a punch. He put he laid his hands on Jawan first. Second of all, Jawan shouldn't have reacted that way and went for a full punch. We know we don't know what was said, but that's not how he should handle this when he is the leader of the Michigan basketball team and a steam program, that is not the right way to handle this situation. So I think Jawan Howard should be suspended. I don't think he should be fired or like a very long suspension rest of the season. But I do think, you know, he should be suspended rest of the regular season. 
but he should be allowed to coach for the championship games, you know, the Big Ten uh, round and then March Madness if they make it in. Uh, but I do not think he should get fired or suspended. I also think Greg Gard should be suspended as well on the Wisconsin side. Then wrapping up college basketball, AP Top 25 came out. You have your top 25 at one Gonzaga, which is fair. Arizona at two, Auburn three, Purdue four. But what I would have is Duke at five. They are at seven, Kansas at five. And you have Kentucky squeezed in there with five losses in between them. I think Duke should be higher. And both those teams, I'm going to leave you with that nugget right there. So what are your thoughts? Who were your top quarterbacks of the 2021 season? Of course, I'm rolling with the GOAT all the time. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.